to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Jamie Hobbs returns to talk about his 100-mile adventure at Massanutten Mountain. Jamie's previously joined us to talk about his adventures at Hellgate twice, and way back was a guest uh, to talk about Laurel Highlands. So on this visit, we talk about his drive to run 100 miles, but also how he squeezes in 100-mile training while being a dedicated husband, a role model dad, and a lawyer, um, and being 43. I mean, come on, that's he's no spring chicken anymore. Um, he, he, I say he's 43 and he's running as well as he ever has. So there's probably some gems of wisdom in here that we should uh, really pay attention to. Take notes. We also get into, uh, him actually running the race. So there's that too. Jamie was the subject of a Beast Coast film recently, episode four, Forged in Mountains. You can find a link to Jamie's Beast Coast video in the show notes, which are runningincideoutpodcast.com slash 056. But wait, there's more. This episode was a bit of a partnership with Goat Factory Media and the Beast Coast Trail Series. So Ron Hierkins set up the video equipment and we filmed a video version of this podcast. You can watch that episode uh, also at the find a link in the show notes the show notes running inside out podcast.com slash zero five six uh remember that well we decided to wait for the release of the podcast until after the beast coast film premiered uh patreon supporters of the podcast got an early viewing of the episode like almost immediately after it was recorded so if you'd like to support the podcast and get some of those kind of, you know, little insider perks, then uh, become a patron. That's a, that's a good way to support the show. Um, you can find a link in the show notes on the sidebar of the website and at patreon.com slash running inside out. So we're up to 20 supporters with our newest patron being the always amazing Danielle Feligno. So thanks, Danielle. 20. I think I think we can get that up number up to thirty by the end of the year. Um, any little amount helps, but really having thirty people, um, you know, supporting and backing the podcast regularly, um, that's going to feel pretty good. Uh, and I got a special unannounced perk for anyone that signs up during the month of November. So get in there, sign up, support the show, get some uh, behind the scenes things there. So let's recap. Hobbs ran 100 miles in the Virginia mountains. He tells us all about it. You can watch a video about it if you don't believe him. It's Beast Coast, Episode 4. Then he talked about that with me. We also recorded the two of us talking in video form. You can watch that if you click the link in the show notes. The audio from that video is what you'll hear if you keep listening to this. So with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. Mr. Hobbs, 
uh, you've on your on your previously uh, previous appearances on the podcast, you were uh, two. You had a seventy miler and two hundred k's. Right? We talked about Laurel Highlands. Yep. Um, which planted the seed for me to want to run Laurel Highlands, which I almost I was so close to doing. <laughs> uh, and then we had uh, two trips to Hellgate. That's right. Um, and now we're here to talk about that. That all amounted to 100 miles in Massanutten. Yeah. So why do you hate running in Rochester? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure there is a 100 miler in Rochester. No, there's um, not. Well, that's not true. There's one's close by, and but they're on the canal path. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't have a, a set thing for Virginia per se. It's just been a – once I got down there for Hellgate, I wanted to go back again a second time. It worked out that year. Uh, going back from Massanutten was made somewhat easier because I know the trip. I've been down there a couple of times and was uh, staring at the Massanutten range from an IHOP in last trip down to Hellgate. But uh, I didn't go to an IHOP. <laughs> you went to an IHOP? You didn't go to an IHOP? Oh, we did. You were, you were, no, we we're, did. Everybody was <laughs> oh, not okay. happy about that choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember groaning. <laughs> I, remember. I remember groaning through the entire IHOP experience. Yeah. That's right. But yeah. I think on the walk there and the walk back, we were yeah, under the shadow of the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. The decision to go down to Massanutten was not necessarily a decision driven by, oh, I love Virginia. I want to go back. But... Um, just seemed like the right race for the right right reasons at the right time. Well, one of the things you mentioned each time we went to Hellgate, you mentioned um, starting at one a.m. and or midnight, midnight. and uh, running through these beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains and That's, never being able to see the mountains you're running through. Right. Also, running through them in the winter time. So even when the sun came up, it was pretty gray and bleak, yeah. you know, and all the leaves were off the trees. And that was a, a nice part about returning down there from Asnut when we pulled off. The highway, it had just rained and everything was so green and lush and spring was mm -hmm. two weeks ahead of time or something that it right. was in Rochester and it was just so nice to be down there in the green. Yeah. yeah. And so did you get, did you get your, your view of the Blue Ridge Mountains? Oh, I did. There was a, a couple parts where, um, you know, it clouded up and rained during the day. So I didn't hit every view, but we got enough of them and it was just, uh, nice to be down there when everything was alive. Yeah. So when you, you've been thinking about running a hundred miler for a long time, yeah. when you first imagined your first hundred miler, what did you, what did you think it was going to be? What, like, what, <laughs> what was the experience? If you could have like had your little whiteboard and, you know, you drew up a picture and said, this is what my first hundred miler experience would be. I don't know. I didn't, I don't know that I had very clear ideas, except that it, it would probably involve a lot of suffering. Um, <laughs> I uh, picture like this whiteboard, like this child drawing stick paid. figures, <laughs> and just sad frowny face. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I knew enough from from you know being bonked at Hellgate and kind of trudging along at places and having other long race experience where you've you've gotten to a place where the feet hurt so much and it's kind of miserable to go on that I just figured. A hundred would be, there'd be no way to avoid, you know, 30 more miles of, of that, the worst part. Um, and so that's kind of one thing that I was afraid of and wanted to, to wait, to try it, um, to try to build up a lot of experience before 
moving up to that distance. Are you, were you seeking that out? Were you seeking? <laughs> or, I no, mean, I, you, had, you had run a 70 miler and you had run two, you know, 14, uh, 13 hour hundred Ks. Were you seeking like, what is, what is the suffering beyond this point? Is that what you saw your first hundred miler as? Um, three, because you got to throw a twisted branch in there. Right. Too. You got to throw a twisted branch and Zane Gray's in there too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, um, that was a long 50 miler. Um, I don't think I was actively seeking out more suffering. I, I mean, I, I was kind of afraid that that was going to be the result, but I was trying to, trying to do my best to prepare to make it as not miserable as possible, you know? Yeah. So it was more, not so much that I thought that was inevitable, but I was afraid that that was likely. So I was trying to prepare myself as best as possible. Did you think your first hundred miler would be like at some point you're, you're just trudging and you're dreary and then like the, the two synapses that have never connected fire together and you go, I got it. I absolutely <laughs> got it. Uh, I don't know. No. Um, so what's the desire to run to, to, to go for 100 miles? Where's it come from? Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if you, if I was a kid growing up with a new people who who did that kind of thing, and I just it didn't appeal to me. It wasn't something that I thought would be. I kind of thought it was crazy. Um, so I don't know how I changed over the years and got to that point where I, I liked the idea. But once I started liking running longer and longer distances, there's something um, in the sport about the hundred miler. It's the uh, marquee distance for ultra marathons and so forth. Um, now we have 200 milers and so forth. <laughs> 135 and not, milers. And it's not clear why, you know, 100K isn't, it's just kind of the way the sport developed, I guess, and a, a nice round number. Yeah. Um, but, you know, knowing that other people had faced up to that challenge, that it was a, another challenge beyond um, anything that I had done, uh, made it, made it attractive and made something that I wanted to yeah. see if I could do. So you had, you had mentioned, um, if you had known people that were doing this when they were growing up mm -hmm. and, um, that I don't, I don't think many of us did know hundred milers when we were growing up, but now you're, you have two small children. They are going to know a mm hundred -hmm. miler when they're growing up. What do you what do you think that means to them? <laughs> uh, it's a little too early to to know. I mean, my kids are too small to really appreciate what it is. They know I go and run in the mountains, and Sydney talks about uh, wanting to do it too already, even though she's three years old and doesn't really quite grasp <laughs> exactly what it is. Um, I hope. I mean, I think they'll eventually appreciate it, and. Um, Hopefully it'll open their their eyes to being, you know, the things they can do and the ways they can be active out in the outdoors and um, spend their time yeah. in nature and and pushing themselves and challenging themselves. Right. I think I think for me, like my kids are six and a half, and they want they've run. I mean, on the trails without mm -hmm. me telling them such. We went for a hike, and they start running down the trail, uh -huh. and I'm like. 
that's that's how it happens. Yep. You know, you just start running. And um, they're talking about going to races and they're talking about doing these things. And when I was six, I, I grew up in Buffalo, uh-huh. you know. Uh, it's not exactly concrete jungle, but it's pretty close, you know. Uh-huh. And I didn't know trail runners. Uh-huh. And um, I just wonder, like, does that mean that, you know, they're going to grow up and advocate for the wilderness? Are they going to advocate for, like, we need to save these you know, mountains and trees because I need to run on them. Uh-huh. My dad used to run on them. Is right. that a, is that a thing? You yeah. Know? I mean, I hope so. I don't, I wouldn't push them. I certainly will encourage them if they want to run um, and want to do the things that I want to do. And, but I wouldn't push them to follow precisely my footsteps, but I hope I can instill, yeah. you know, an appreciation for, for wilderness and, right. and for being out there and for preserving that. So, um, the other thing is uh, children, and you you run in the the masters category. Yeah. So you're you're uh, you're not an old man, but you're you're um, you're forty one. Forty three. Forty three. Yeah. I thought you were forty one. No. Chief first. I was forty one two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's math, folks. <laughs> just had a birthday. Yep. Just had a birthday. Yeah. So you're. 40- I was forty two at the time of mass uh-huh. none. Okay. So. Um, that's a thing. Yeah. You have a three-year-old and a one-year-old to chase around. Yeah. So I'm late to the parenthood game uh, but you're, by some people's standards. But you're sort of right on time for the ultra 100-miler game. Yeah. If you look yeah. at the um, – well, if you look at the Mass Nutton statistics, uh, the Masters category and Masters Plus category was uh, much more populated than the the Open or Submasters. I think that – I don't know what the percentage was, but – the number of people over 40 was much higher and plenty of them were up, up high, you know, like I, uh, at some point late in the thing, Dan Mapata told me, you know, uh, master's winner is probably out of place at this point. And I was like, yeah, I figured, you know, I'm not even close to the top. I'm not in the top 10 right now. You know, uh, there's gotta be a few masters ahead of me. So, mm-hmm. um, I knew there was plenty of competition there. There's plenty of good runners at that distance. Um, yeah, it seems like 40. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. It means in two years I'm going to be an awesome runner. <laughs> <laughs> so psyched. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. But um, there, there's a thing there. I mean, you're you're a, a lawyer. you got two small children. And you're running 50 to 60 miles a week sometimes. Yeah. How do you, how do, you do all that? <clears throat> Um, <laughs> Write it down so I, I could sell it because <laughs> this is going to be a moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I'm holding it all together properly, but I am. You know, it, you've got to find ways to do it. I um, I run – I squeeze my running in in odd ways. I, I run, commute to work. Um, at least I was doing it a lot leading up to Massanut and I do it throughout the winter. During the summer, it gets too hot. Um, to, to do it, to, uh, to wear a shirt and tie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, uh, no, to, to pass with just a, uh, a bathroom (laughs) bird bath (laughs) after a run. (laughs) Um, but so that, that gets me, you know, that can get me nine miles in a day right there. Um, in time that the, the kids are in daycare and so forth. Um, I find ways to, I mean, I'm very fortunate that as a lawyer, I have a, 
a more flexible schedule than most. Um, I can do a lot of my work at home if I want to. I can come and go when I need to. Um, and I don't have to be in court all that much so I can uh, find ways to make it work and, and figure it out. Um, <clears throat> um, my wife, it, I mean, it doesn't help that much that my wife works more hours than I do. She's a doctor with a busier schedule than I am, but she's still very tolerant of me um, being on half half a day each day on the weekends or something like that. So to put in a long run mm-hmm. in the morning and we trade off. We don't get to, to spend as much time um, doing fun things together as a result because I come home and then she got, goes off to do mm-hmm. what she needs to do. Yeah. Tag so, out. So we tag right? off. Yeah. <laughs> tag you're it. But um, you also do uh, stroller runs too. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. Yep. You're doing the kids in the double stroller. You're doing seven thirties, eight minute miles on a with a with a double stroller, and Sydney rolls pretty well. Sydney's getting getting (laughs) stroller's got to be a little lopsided at this point. The nice thing about the double stroller is I can uh, I can lean on it a little bit and take some of the weight (laughs) off of my. (laughs) But you're doing. I mean, so you're doing double stroller. You're doing dog runs. You're doing run commutes. Right. You're squeezing it all in. I squeeze it in where I can. So do you do um do do you have like a a workout? Do you have like this day I need to go do hill repeats or this day I'm gonna? I mean, do you have like a structured training plan or you're basically no. cr- trying to squeeze no. in base miles and then go do something hard? Yeah, exactly. I would love to um to have a structured training plan or a coach. I haven't felt like I I could really um make a for I could make it worthwhile to pay for a coach or something like that, or to try to fit with a really structured training plan. Cause I do have to, I mean, the flip side of fitting it in where I can is you got to wing it sometimes. And, you know, in a day you hope to run commute, it doesn't work out because, um, <clears throat> I don't know, the kids throw a fit and you can't get out the door early enough or, uh, something comes up and, mm-hmm. um, and so you just kind of have to do your run on a different day or work in a a half an hour run instead of an hour run or something like that. Right. So I kind of I kind of wing it. I have rough targets of where I want to be, you know, how many miles I want in a week and um I know uh that there's different things I need to do that I can't just always be pouring on base mileage or something like that. I want to hit some tempo runs here and there, or I want to make sure I'm getting plenty of elevation gain or something like that. If I haven't been on the trails in a while, I got to get out in trails to, to keep those mu- different muscles working and stuff like that. So, so you're sort but of then like I just kind of, you're problem solving essentially, right? Like, yeah. What haven't I done in a little bit? And, right. And, and yeah. what do I need to get more of right now? Or, you know, what am I doing too much of right now? So leading up to Massanutten, <clears throat> it's, it's a, it's not an easy hundred miler. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Virginia mountains. Yeah. So leading up to Massanutten, you had been down there twice with Hellgate. And yep. so you understood the terrain. Yeah. Um, we got, we got some mountains here in New York. Uh, were you, were you trying to do mountain running to train? How, how do you get ready for Virginia mountains? Yeah. Um, ideally, I, I would have loved to be able to go someplace like the Catskills regularly because what Massanutten's reputation is is being extremely rocky and technical. 
Um, and I figured, you know, I have a background of running in the Catskills and, uh, that prepares you for technical running anywhere, I think. And so I would have loved to be able to get there, but, you know, uh, spring in Virginia comes earlier than spring in, in the Catskills for one. So there's not a lot of great, the timing doesn't work all that well for running in New York mountains. Um, and two, the, just the busyness of the winter and spring didn't allow me a lot of time to get back there. So instead it's, um, down to the Bristol Hills, uh, which is the closest thing we have to mountains nearby Rochester. And I, I mean, I think that's great, great preparation. Uh, it's slightly less technical than, um, running down those Virginia mountains, but it's, it's enough. You yeah, know? but it gets that it's turnover. It's rough enough. It gets that it turnover. It gets that turnover and it gets you the sustained, you know, climbing up for a thousand foot climb in a mile or something or in a mile and a half and then pounding down it, um, and repeating and over and over again. And that mm-hmm. tenderizes the legs and quads <laughs> yeah. in the way that you need for yeah. that kind of thing. What's the most, uh, what's the most repeats you've done at outer loop in Bristol? I've never done more than four. Never done. Yeah. Four is, four is substantial. <laughs> four is actually routine. Normal when I go down there, it's three or four. Yeah. Um, I think Travis has told me he's done six or more. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've wanted to go for more at some point, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah. never well, felt like it was worth it. Mort's done four. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a mile and a half up and it's a mile and a half down. So, and I, I do the little run out to the parking lot and come back. So it's 1.7. Um but a mile and a half, um, that's uh, three. Uh, that's three miles round trip. Um, round trip. So if you do four of them, that's twelve miles yeah, with four thousand feet. Six up, six down miles, four thousand feet of gain and descent. More than that, four thousand yeah. because it's a little over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so another another place um, that a lot of us go locals is uh, High Tour yeah. in Ontario County Park, yeah. right? In those areas. Yeah. Those are two places I hit a lot in the last bit of my training cycle, the biggest weeks going into Massanutten. Um, I was down there each weekend. You organized a uh, – Dude, you crushed that 50K. <laughs> the, the podcast 50K, the, pod- the yep. fat-ass 50K. Yeah, that was. A, I had one good run down there before that, and then I went for that one. Uh, that was awesome. I was so happy that somebody just kind of actually. And then you went over high tour and down in the Conklin's Gully to get some extra. Yeah, I actually did something like thirty-five miles or so, and that was yeah. my biggest run for yeah. leading into the hundred. Um, which you know, I, I if the the timing of Mass Nutton had worked out a little bit better, if it, I'm well. If it worked out better, but if it were later in the year, I would have loved to fit in like a 50 mile or something like that as a training run. But, um, I wasn't able to do that. So I, I kind of felt like 35 might be a little short for longest run, but it was a good quality, yeah. tough course. Right. And that's what we, what we have, I think is, I mean, we don't have the vertical gain mm-hmm. that, that Virginia has, Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's the beast coast, right? So yep. it's roots and rocks. Yep. Wherever you're going, it's yep. roots and rocks. Yep. And so <laughs> that day was a lot of, uh, not just roots and rocks, but like streams running down the, yeah, <laughs> down the trails. And well, so it was cool. We which, started in the snow too, which was neat. That's right. That's right. I forgot that the first few miles of that were yeah, uh, in the snow and the, the trip across whatever that it's called East Hill, I guess, uh, yeah. where the Boy Scout camp is. Yeah. It was, uh, 
covered with snow. Yeah, and so you get snow, you get mud, you yep. get roots and rocks, you get wet rocks. And I mean, and you get yep. climbing and descending. And yep. because it isn't so long, you're going faster. Uh-huh. So I, I almost feel like I mean, I don't know, you tell me. I haven't run Massanutten, but um, that descent down out of OCP. You know, uh, all the way down and then back up to the Boy Scout camp and then down into Naples. That feels like that's a pretty good training ground. Oh, yeah. That descent, particularly the part, I think, the um, uh, the East Hill Preserve or whatever that goes down into Naples. That mm-hmm. I mean, that has a lot of uh, rocks and loose yeah. loose. Jumbled yeah. up rocks and stuff like that. As I say, know. none of those none of those rocks have found there forever. <laughs> exactly, that's what we say. <laughs> you also have an electric fence, which adds another element. <laughs> <laughs> but Surprise. um, you know the the twisted branch course. I mean, the first the first twelve miles of that course yeah. are, I mean, that's as as rugged and as rudy and as and as beast coasty as you're going to get. Absolutely, I think that's a great. That's I love going down there to train. That's yeah. that can prepare you for. Mountains, pretty yeah, much. I like. I actually like going down out of OCP more than I like coming <laughs> of back. Course, yeah. Well, it's. I've never done that climb back into OCP without being thoroughly exhausted from mm-hmm. you know having already run twenty miles or something like that. So yeah. it's always brutal. Yeah, I mean, I think if you even if you do it fresh, I mean, you know. So um, okay. So you're you're training. You're smashing all your training together. Mm-hmm. You're managing kids, you're managing professional life, you're managing, you know, life in general, and you're still thinking like 100 miles is, is uh, I'm going to do 100 miles. Yeah. Was it all you hoped it was going to be? Yeah, I think so. It, I mean, it went well, as well as I could have imagined going it going. Uh, it wasn't easy by any means. I was certainly exhausted throughout a lot of it and um so forth but i don't think i was ever really uh as miserable as i feared i would be um <laughs> you know uh i felt like i held it together and uh, managed to just keep plugging away and um yeah so you took uh dan and amy lopata were yep. down there with you i didn't get picked in the draft as your crew <laughs> Despite, Pretty, despite two successful Hellgate missions, you're an excellent crew, and I'm, <laughs> I, I do believe that I told you at one point that you you're, said you're welcome. you said. I mean, Dan, but no, you afterward. I mean, the thing was, Dan. Dan knows that course. Mm-hmm. Dan knows that the Virginia Happy Trails folks. Yep. Dan and Amy were the right people. Not only does Dan for, know the course, Amy knows the crewing because yeah. she. Yep. Followed Dan around the course yeah. twice, and and so they were the they were the perfect people yep. for this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, you took you took some experienced Rochesterians down there, yep. into Virginia Happy Trails country. Yep. Um, did you kind of did you soak in any of that, or was this like a kind of surgical? I I have family life. I'm getting in on Friday, and I'm leaving on Sunday morning. Um. We soaked it in a little bit. I, we did leave. I thought at one point about going down Thursday to so have a full day down there beforehand. Um, then pushed it back, realizing that coming back on Sunday wasn't going to be a great idea. So we ended up going down Friday, getting in just in time, you know, to do the pre-race briefing. Wow, really? Yeah. Like you I mean, drove, maybe an hour or two. You did the nine hours. It wasn't as long because Massanutten's a couple hours north of Hellgate. Um but we left, I don't know, at uh, 8 or 9 in the morning or something like that and uh, got in there at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Oof. 
Um, it's like a seven hour drive, I think. Uh, it was all in the rain to make it Better. a lot of fun. Did you drive? Yeah. Uh, I drove a lot of it. Yeah. Um, what did my dad take over at the end? Yeah. I think I drove most of it. So I asked because we did that the first time, right? You drove a lot of it the first time. Yeah. And we're like, the next time we're like, (laughs) you're going to get your rest. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think that, um, I, I think you go into these things like I got this, Uh this is just a race. Yeah. You know, this is just a hundred K in Virginia. Flip flip. Got it. You know? No, I don't know about that. I mean, I was definitely. No, I'm not saying that yeah. you're going it with like, a, like a you know, devil may care attitude. But yeah. you're you're driving to a race. Yeah, it's you. You're doing your thing, and you're driving down there, and you're perfectly capable of running 100k. And you're, I think, you know. Um, I'd say I was uh, quietly nervous going into the race. You know, like I. Uh, I don't think I was visibly freaking out or anything like that or, you know, (laughs) going to change what I did on a given, you know, in my daily routine or anything like that. But I was that that low level of anxiety was definitely there in the background um, that I was kind of um, tuning out a little bit on the social media and stuff like that because I just didn't want to deal with it. You kind of went dark. (laughs) And, uh, you know, um in retrospect, had a little bit of, you know, anxiety going on. A little bit of trepidation. I mean, you're going to run your first 100-miler, and it's not like you picked – well, I don't want to disparage any 100-milers, but it's not like you picked something that you thought was going to be easy. Right. No, I didn't. You went for Massanutten Mountain 100. Yeah. Uh, Picked one that people regard as hard and told me as hard and so forth and that, you know – um put that a little bit of fear in me that if I did get exhausted, you know, the, the technical aspect of it would be extremely hard. Um, so yeah, I was a little nervous about that, particularly when, you know, I, as I said, I don't follow a set training plan, but I, I think about what I would like to have in the bank going into it. And I was, I was short of that. It didn't work out that I was able to get up to the weekly mileage that I wanted. I wasn't, I wasn't so far behind. I knew I was more prepared and had more high mileage weeks than I did for any of my other races, but it still wasn't quite where I had hoped to be. So then I thought that you could be a little nervous, like, oh, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, um, did I pick the right shoes? Are these rocks going to be wet? Is yeah, it going to be raining? What have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Um, enough bacon at the aid stations. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, you could be worried about anything, but. Um, it seems like what you do with worry is a little bit different. Like, like at least when I talk with you, what you yeah. do with worry is you go, this is a thing I could be worried about. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me stack up all these reasons why I shouldn't be worried about it. Uh-huh. And then I'm good to go. Uh-huh. It's there. I mean, the worry is there, but I just kind of put it in the background and, yeah. and realize there's nothing more I can do, you know? Yeah. Um, so was there a point in Massanutten where you were like, I got it. I got what I came for. Um, not until the very end. I mean, I, I spent uh, the vast majority. Of, well, I spent the first 
40 or so miles just running comfortably and 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 enjoying it from there i started to be, become focused on on the clock and the time goals and stuff like that and figuring out thinking about where i needed to be at different times not to say that i wasn't enjoying the running or the course or anything like that but it just started to occupy my mind the whole way and um i was focusing on going sub 24 um i'm not sure i would have counted it as a a failure or something like that if i ran 25 hours or if i ran 29 hours or something like that but um i i knew i wanted to hit that goal and that's that was the goal that was kind of driving me and i just thought um why i don't know why uh let me just finish the thought it wasn't until basically the last aid station where i felt like i mean maybe there were a number of points midway through where i was like okay i'm at, i'm at a point where right now i'm on target i'm fine i'm doing well i keep hitting these eight, the goals that will get me keep me on pace but it wasn't until the last aid station where i was like okay i have two hours to run six miles you know six and a half miles or something like that i can do that you know there's nothing the only way i blow this is if i take a header or if i you know go horribly off course and this is you know it seemed pretty safe so that at that point it was kind of a feeling of relief i got what i I've done what I came to do. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish, hit my goal. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge relief. Um, why was that my goal? Uh, that's the, that's the history of the sport. You know, it goes back to Gordy Ainsley for better or not. You know, he finished running a hundred miles at Western States, um, before anybody did it. And he did it, right around 20 and just under 24 hours and it makes for two round numbers 100 miles round number and 24 hours round number you know yeah but if you but if you think about it <laughs> like if you sure if you do any the whole kind sport's of absurd <laughs> if you think about it too much everything yeah. i mean if you do the math there's there's you know 24 times 60 right like <laughs> this, the minutes don't add up to the miles the oh. subtraction and the right. division and so that's why i ask like why 100 miles and why 24 hours? It's easy for me to ask because 100 miles in 24 hours is like, you know, that's the, that's the stuff of unicorns and rainbows to me. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I thought Dan had, I'll put it this way. Dan had the things he kept telling me when I'd see him at various points leading up to the race. He's like, Oh, you, you know, I have these ideas of what you can do there, you know, based on what he thinks of, me as a runner and what he thinks of the course and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his thinking was, you know, oh, like 20 hours. I should be able to run this in 20 hours. Looking at the history of the race, the only people who run 20 hours in that course are like Brian Rusecki <laughs> and Carl Meltzer and a couple other people. I'm like, you've run with Brian Rusecki <laughs> in the same race once. In the twice. same race with him way ahead of me. Um, yeah, maybe – Maybe I can run faster than, than 24 hours in a, in a hundred miler. Maybe if it was a, a race that's more runnable, I would have set a more aggressive goal. Maybe, and in the future, I think I will. Um, but first time going the distance, setting anything more aggressive than 24 hours just seemed like to be a recipe for blowing up and walking the last 50 miles in. You know, it just seemed like a, a not smart way to approach your first time on a course, your first time at the distance. 
So that that makes me think, what do you think your strength in a hundred miler is? What is your strength? Um, I don't know. I don't think I excel in the elite level kind of thing, you know, like to, to put me up with the best guys in any one particular thing. I'm a reasonably good climber. I'm a reasonably good descender. I'm reasonably good at, at plugging along after a while. I'm reasonably good at short, you know, running a 5K or something like that. So it's something that requires just pure running speed. But I'm not up in the upper echelon of, of any of those things um, isolated. So I'm more well-rounded, I think. And I think the idea is just to... to um, capitalize on all those things on a hundred milers is you got to stay smart and stay within yourself and um not get carried away yeah it makes it makes sense to be able to pull each one of those out when you need them right but what do you rely on what do you what do you like i got this because i can x Mm -hmm. well um i think i knew throughout the race that I was running within myself. Um, first of all, and I think I knew from prior experience, although I didn't have hundred mile experience, I had tough, um, hundred K and 70 mile experience. Mm -hmm. And I knew from even before that, from having lots of backpacking experience and mountaineering experience when I was in my twenties that I can keep plugging along as much as I need to, as long as I don't mm-hmm. run myself into the, as long as I don't do something stupid. So I just keep been, a little something in the back. Yeah. As long as I <laughs> maintain control. And, yeah. uh, and so I wasn't too worried about it. I never hit a point where I was, um, worried that I was going to bonk and never be able to come back out of it or something like that. And I kind of just knew that as long as I just stayed there and, um, kept the energy levels good that I could just keep going and going and going. So if somebody was to say like, if, like you ran Zane Gray uh-huh. and if somebody that, you know, finished Zane Gray ahead of you, uh-huh. um, said, I'm coming to run a Massanutten mountain. I've run on the West coast my whole life. Uh-huh. I've done, I've done Moab and I've done, you know, Zane Gray and I've done gorges and I've done, you know, canyons. What do I need to do to uh, win an East Coast race? Mm -hmm. What do I need to do? Someone who's run Zane uh, will be in good shape because Zane is actually a highly technical course. For There's a lot of West Coast courses that get um, looked down on by East Coasters as being – I don't know if they're looked down on, but they're just put into this – you know, all the the single track out there is just – Smooth but, dirt. Buttery song. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what Zane is not that way. So, you know, you're, it's, it's a lot of running up and down, loose, rolling rocks and so forth. And so that person will be in good shape uh, in terms of, you know, preparing for uh, an East Coast race, East Coast mountain race. Um, if, if it was someone who didn't have that kind of experience but was, you know, used to running on the West Western States trail or what I know of the, the Bay area trails or something like that. I would say they better get prepared for running on 
on rocks and roots, you know, they got to uh, be prepared to be staring at the ground the whole time, worrying about tripping and falling, cracking their head yeah. open. It's, uh, the, it's <laughs> the, it's the sore neck after yeah. <laughs> long, it's the sore neck after long descents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn how to keep your head bobbing and, yep. and a little, <laughs> little loose. Um, but like we were just up in the Adirondacks for uh, Whiteface weekend and it was raining all day Saturday and I did two high peaks and, um, it was when it was, you know, we're coming down steep and it's like uh, foot here, foot there, yeah. foot here. Yeah. Oh, don't step on that route. That's a sideways route. Yeah. You go yeah. down the gorge. And then when we got to a part where it opened up, we're all starting and hooting and hollering like, yeah. woo, run, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And then we get to a technical part and it's like, it's like football drills, tap, 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 you know, trying to dance through the roots. Um, but I, I don't, like you were saying, like, disparagingly looking at that kind of the West coast. I don't think it's a disparaging. I just think it's, you don't get to stretch your legs all the time here. That's where I think it's different. You got your eyes and your ears are engaged and your whole body is on high alert so that you don't eat a rock. Right. You know, and there are, you get to, you got to pick your spots where you can open it up and run. There are Mm -hmm. a couple of miles here and there in this course of a mass nothing that of, of dirt road or, of pavement road um, or a couple of miles of, of dirt single track or something like that. And then before you get back to rocks and roots. Um, so you pick your spots where you get to open it up and then you um, have those where you got to kind of grind it out and hike and so forth. And I think actually that uh, may have been better for me in the long run, you know, although it's a, that makes it harder in a lot of people's eyes that you have the, the technical stuff throughout the, the variety, um, mix it up, but it wasn't, I didn't have to keep on maintaining a, a steady run for a hundred miles yeah, for a guy who's a, who's a Swiss army knife. That's, that's exactly what <laughs> exactly, you need, right? right. <laughs> um, that's right. So I think it, it suited well. Yeah. And I think of like, you know, they talk about the Europeans mountain running and, and it just looks like all they're doing is sliding down mountains full of razor sharp rocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. yes, they're, they're not coming out like fricasseed, you know, but, um, they're just, they're, the turnover is crazy and they're not, you know, their thing is just keep their feet fast, fast as you can go and keep them quick and nimble. Yeah. And then, you know, we always pick on the West coast is like buttery soft trails and oh, picturesque and all that. But I think what, what we have is you have to pay attention yeah. and you have to be ready to do 5k speed. You have to be ready to do mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready to do super fast descending. You have to be ready to do quick for, you know, we have like what you're saying. You have to be reasonably good at everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, where was it in in 100 miles, everybody gets dark and dreary. Yeah. I just, I'm going to change the real quick. Sure. Everybody gets dark and dreary. Yeah. Was there a place? Is there a place in your distance running when you go, Ugh, yuck. I don't like this. Um, I've certainly had that experience at, at races where, you know, I, okay, this isn't fun. Why am I, why do I sign up for these races? Why am I doing this? Um, I don't know. I think usually what brings it on is a, 
is low energy. I mean, combined with could be some other issue. You have some sort of leg pain or something like that that makes you unable to move the way you want to move. But generally, I think the root cause is just low energy, like not having taken enough calories, having exhausted yourself or something like that. So that's kind of when the negative get thinking hangry. you get hangry exactly <laughs> um i i didn't have a really serious i didn't have a moment like that i don't think in uh in my in this hundred miler which is awesome. absolutely amazed me it's awesome i you know i definitely had feelings of exhaustion and feelings of uh i'm ready to sit down and be off my feet you know i can't wait to to see the finish line but the closest I got was kind of like a long climb late in the 80s or 90s, feeling like, okay, I'm definitely moving slower and slower and not because of the train. I'm just kind of getting sleepy and tired or something like that. Maybe I need to to eat some more or something, you know, and I kind of like – so I took a break and I forced down some gels that I – had been dreading eating for a long time um, after the, the stomach had turned from gels. Uh, but, uh, and that brought me kind of back to life. But, you know, I never had a really dark, I hate this yeah. kind of moment. Um, so another thing that I, I found is, is really unique and, and interesting about you is that you, you willingly accept crew. Like you're, you're like, Hey, you want to come crew me? That's awesome. Yeah. You don't have pacers though. Uh-huh. Right. But, but you're, you know, people want to go to a race with you and help you out. You're yeah. like, you're like, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I didn't know you from nobody and I'm like, I'm totally going down Hellgate with you. <laughs> I mean, that was knew, pretty awesome. We knew each other, yep. but like, right. you know, I was like, I want to go down Hellgate with you. And you're like, yeah, sure. You know, and, um, how much is it that, you know, um, how much of that is camaraderie versus assistance versus like, I'm going to do this on my own. Like, what are your general thoughts on, on crewing and pacing and community and people participating in your race? Right. Um, I love having people come down and crew me and so forth. You know, like that has been a huge help. It, it um, helps so much with race logistics. It helps so much moving efficiently through aid stations and making sure you're you're actually staying up with what you need to be doing and, and getting in and out of them, having taken care of all your problems and so forth. And then just having that support when you come into the aid station, people you know smiling and cheering you on is a huge lift. It's something to look forward to. Um, and having people out there at the end. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to picture going to traveling to a race, a big race like this, totally solo. I know a lot of people who do it Mm -hmm. and enjoy it. I just find that the idea of finishing without those people there to like celebrate with you and and so forth and to, to enjoy the aftermath with you to be pretty lonely sounding. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Hooray. That, uh, so you know i've I've been really fortunate in having people who've wanted to to come down and crew and i've appreciated it so much um pacing i feel a little bit different about it. i don't know i don't have a problem with it i i don't have in general and like i've had 
people pace me. I've had Ron pace me. I've had uh, Mike pace me, and and both of those have been fine experiences and great. And it's nice to have someone running with you. Um, on the other hand, I when I'm out there kind of suffering, I, I kind of just like to be suffering by myself for a little while, at least till I get to the aid station and want to see somebody, you know, <laughs> I like having breaks. Oh, oh, you want your cake and <laughs> right, exactly. you would like to eat it. Exactly. Oh, I see. Be, um, be my friend just when I need you. But I get kind of grumpy <laughs> and miserable. I kind of want to be alone and grumpy and miserable, you know, yeah. um, and grind it out. I don't, um, I haven't found, um, a method that works for me in a way that kind of like would make me actually do anything different than I would do on my own while I'm out yeah. there on the trail. You yeah. know, uh, most of the times, um, a lot of pacers are, are deferential to what you want to be doing out there, which is what I would kind of want. And them telling me to do anything other than what I'm doing out there, <laughs> right probably, I'm, I'm probably just going <laughs> to not listen to them. So it's just like, I'll just go on my own. Um, it might it might be different in a, a race that has really long gaps between crude aid stations or something like that where I could really uh, mess things up if I'm not staying on top of it. And do you do you think of it as um, I mean you go you are kind of the run your own race kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So do you ever think of it as like um, I. I need you to keep me on target. I need, yeah. you know, I need you to keep me at this split for mm-hmm. these miles. Do you do that? No, no, I don't, I don't know how that would work. Um, I feel like if someone's pushing me to, to stay on some pace that I'm not able to maintain, through my own motivation, it's probably, I mean, I, maybe to put it a different way, I feel like I have the the motivation to to run as well or on the pace that I can can sustain the time. Mm-hmm. And um, You don't it, need anybody to tell you to do it. Right. That. If someone's telling me to do it, they're, they're pushing me to run at a pace that I, it probably isn't going to be sustainable for me under those conditions or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I guess that's, that's sort of what I'm poking at. Um, is it internal motivation? I mean, cause you talked about 100 miles in 24 hours is the standard, but also you are doing dog runs. You're doing kid runs. You're doing work commutes. You are motivating yourself internally every, every day of the week. You don't need anybody to tell you to run, to reach your goal. No, I'm getting frustrated if I can't squeeze in a run. You know? Yeah. Like if I, um, those, uh, no, yeah. Yeah. That, Just, I, I mean, that wasn't a question. It was more of a, it was more of a statement, which is like, right. you know, you don't, you don't need really a pacer to tell you, like, if you don't pick it up, you're not going to hit 24 hours. No, you that, know? that mental pressure is in there. Yeah. I have my own. You said after, after 40 miles, <laughs> right. I was sitting there going, if I don't make this next aid station by this time, I'm not going to be oh able to God. run this in 24 hours. Is that just, if I don't make, but doesn't that, by this time I'm not going to be able to Doesn't do that it. take away the joy of running free? <laughs> Maybe it probably does. Um which is I guess why it's good that we're not running every every run is not a race, you know. Um I just ran before we came in here. I just ran 
four or five miles on the trails without any particular plan about how fast I was going to run or any particular plan about how far I was going to go. I just yeah. started running until I realized I better get back to my car so I could <laughs> get here. I, yeah. I stopped, you know. Um, do you, do you, uh, have other goals? No, none. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I mean, feel free to share. You know, I mean, want to in you running know, or in life in general? Fusion, I don't know. Um, you know, crystallized solids in the palm of your hand. I don't know. Do you have? Do you have other World goals? Domination. Like, uh, what do you? What? What do you? How do you? What do you? What do you do? Like, how do you set a goal? How do you decide this is a thing I want to do? Because a uh, hundred miles was decided for you because that's the standard of the sport. Yeah. You know, but, um, do you, uh, just want to be better every day? Do you, uh, pick a target and go, can I get that thing? I'm not, I'm not that, that goal driven that I'm always kind of thinking about being better at something, you know, kind of some, a lot of times I just want to run or I just want to go have fun. And a lot of days I'm lazy, you know, I, uh, I'm driven to go get my exercise or something like that, but I'd rather just spend the rest of the day sitting around on the couch or, mm -hmm. you know, reading a book or having a drink or something like that. You know, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not some crazy, um, always motivated person, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't have other in running. I don't have other particular goals. I, I, now that I've done a hundred and realized I confirmed that I, I can do it without um, killing myself and without being absolutely miserable doing it. I now want to improve at it. I, I want to um, keep doing it and run, run them a bit more competitively than I did this time. Um, but, uh, but I, I don't know what I'm, ultimately capable of and i'm not particularly set on winning races or you know doing xyz or running a 200 miler now or something like that yeah. <laughs> 200 miler. Um, um, but you got that you got that master's money you got yeah. the, you got those fast mountain legs yeah right as now. you know uh the master's money is is not easy to come by and that was <laughs> long distances if i want a master's money i should probably go run 5k obscure 10ks or something 10K. like that I don't know. 10ks seem to have some master's money yeah or half marathons something I mean, like that right you want to puke at the end of your race that's cool yeah instead of puking during your race yeah there's you know unfortunately there's people like um i don't know if you look at the top 10 in some place like western states there's plenty of of 40 mile 40 year old runners doing well i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of goose adventure cutting boards and hammocks yeah exactly exactly <laughs> three pairs of shoes abound you yep yeah um so so uh you're just gonna run now yeah yeah um i will say my i like my goals now going forward have been in flux a little bit because i've been struggling more with the recovery than I expected to. It's taken a while to, um, to feel like I can run as well as I'd like to run. Um, I just feel my knees and quads have been tight 
for two months afterwards, basically. And it's just kind it's of hundred a mountain hundred mile. Yeah. Maybe it's not surprising. <laughs> it's a mountain hundred mile. I mean, um, come on, Superman. But you know, you know, like I started immediately thinking like, okay, maybe I could run another hundred miler in the late fall or something like that. And then now I'm thinking, uh, maybe I should start thinking about next year. <laughs> um, so I don't have, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, I think a hundred, um, one mountain, hundred mile or uh-huh. it's, it's not, I mean, you're not goal oriented, right? I mean, that's what you just said. You're not some sort of masochistic goal oriented right. person. Well, I do have a goal, I would say, of, of wanting to be, uh, able to keep doing this for a while. And I know based on what it's taken me to recover from this one, um, that rushing out to, to do too many in a year would be, a bad way to, to go about that. So, yeah. So, so find a local hundred K that's yeah. mountainous as, yeah. uh, you know, Virginia. Yeah. So twisted branch is coming up in August and I, uh, um, maybe got a little ahead of myself and signing up for that. And I've kind of been feeling it out. I'm going to be feeling out the next couple of weeks about whether or not I'm ready to actually, whether to, to go out and run that. And I may, I really don't want to, put it off another year uh, i wanted to run it last year and i couldn't so mm-hmm. um it'll bump me out if i don't but if i can't get a, a few solid weeks of training in beforehand well you started with a off. five miler today that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoy chatting with him. He always gives a very honest and open answer, even to some questions that, like, maybe I have no business asking. I mean, I go all morally safer on him, and he just gets all Barack Obama on me, I guess. Uh, And for some reason, I always feel like trying a little bit harder after I talk with him. Go figure. Be sure to check out the episode show notes, again, for links to some of the topics in the episode, like Hobbs on digital film. You can find links to the Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. Remember that extra perk for people that sign up during November. Special thanks to Ron Herkins Jr. and the Beast Coast Film Series. It's been a pretty great partnership. Uh, The podcast, I, I being the podcast, uh, was really honored to be able to be a sponsor of the series and help bring it into existence. And I think episode four came out great. So check out beastcoastfilm.com for all episodes. Guess what? If you can't remember that, it's also in the show notes. Uh, Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. And until next time, be thankful for what you've been given. Be proud of what you've achieved and let go of what you lost. See you out there. Tick. Tick. But wait, there's more. Here's something uh, a little extra for staying all the way to the end. It just happens to be a little extra. Um, so, Jamie. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What, right. what got you in the running? Why are you running? Who are you? 
I'm Jamie Hobbs. Uh, I've been running pretty much all my life. I grew up with a father who who ran marathons and some ultras. And so I was at races with him from an early age, ran cross country and track in high school, but after that, never really pursued it. Um, kind of just pursued it as a way to stay in shape until I, uh, I, uh, got into my thirties. I was, uh, practicing law and just needed another way to get out and, and be active in the outdoors that I wasn't getting otherwise. And, uh, bit by bit, I started creeping up into the longer distances and, and realizing that I could do pretty well at them. So mm-hmm. I started running long trail races. And you ended up at Massanut and Mountain 100. Uh, that's right. So you ran a 100-miler. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are your um, – if you if you could pick three highlights from that race, the, yeah. the tops of the pops, what would they be? Um. I break the the race up into sort of the first thirty miles, which thirty three miles down into Elizabeth Furnace, which ended with a, a nice highlight. There's a, a long runnable descent, a few miles of um, just gorgeous single track with a little, just enough roots and rocks to keep you on your toes, but not enough to slow you down all that much. And I tucked in behind a guy, and we just cruised throughout that whole stretch for. It seems like it went on for a couple miles, but uh, it was just beautiful. And we rolled into Elizabeth Furnace, and that was the first time I got to see crew for um, for a few hours. And so it was nice to, to catch up and then set off on the rest of the race. Um, That's when it started pouring. Yeah, and then the rain came down. Yeah. And so I, it started it started to rain after Elizabeth Furnace. Just I'm basically somewhere I don't remember if it started during that descent or if right as I rolled into the aid station but it just started raining. So um, after after how many hours was that? That was uh, I came in there around 6 hours or so. Maybe a little more. 6 hours and 20 minutes because I was thinking all right this is 33 is roughly a third of the race. 6 hours and 20 minutes is like 19 hours um so i'm somewhere on 19 20 hour pace on the the idea that you could actually not slow down in the 100 miler which i knew was not going to happen so uh and so you you have um that's still daylight right it's oh yeah it's it's feels like it's early in the day so beautiful day you're rolling in uh you just got done stretching your legs a little bit on the downhill the rain comes, yeah, and now you're into that middle third of the race. Yeah, anything, anything um, positive and uh, remarkable about that third? Uh, not immediately. I mean, the next couple sections were um, not the most special parts of the race. I would say, anyway. I mean, they were they were rainy. There's some um, dirt road running in places in there. There's some. Um, and so forth. There are, I mean, there are some nice sections where, if you don't go over the whole middle of the third, we get up on the ridges and and run for a little bit and come back down. But um, that's kind of where, in that next third, where I started to to kind of do start thinking about the math and start thinking about okay, what do I have to do to to set myself up from here to make sure I don't 
uh, I stay on target and I stay um, uh, where I want to be in terms of hitting my time goals. What's the what's the rate? What's the terrain like during that part of the race? During the middle third, there's um. So if you go from thirty three to roughly the hundred k mark, you've got um a couple segments that are runnable of you know three or four mile stretches of gravel road, but then other than that, it's single track almost entirely, and you're running um you know, two or three miles of uphill to get to a rocky ridge, running along the ridge for two or three miles and then dropping back down along descent to get back down to an aid station. And then you just kind of repeat and just kind of do that over and over again. Was there any point at which you said, yes, I am doing it. <laughs> I, am, I am doing it. Um, I think probably the highlight in those sections was, was hitting 50 miles, um, like a little under 10 hours and I was thinking, okay, basically I've stayed right on target, right where I want to be. If I can run the first half in 10 hours and then hit, that gives me 14 hours to play with for the second half, which Mm -hmm. is plenty of time to slow down. Um, (laughs) You were so analytical through this whole race. (laughs) Yeah. And then I, I mean, I had the same thought about the hundred K and I felt pretty happy about when I hit the hundred K time, you know, Um, there's also sort of a, a different mental highlight going on or mental game going on, not in terms of the time, but in terms of, you know, knowing where I am on the, on the course map, because I know it's kind of a figure eight. And I knew that like, um, once I hit that hundred K mark, so basically the end of the, the first two thirds of the race, I had, I had closed off or I was closing off the big loop. And I now had just kind of a, a small loop and I could now think of that as, okay, I got to run the smaller 50 K loop. Um, and be, I've now crossed over into the, the late part of the race. And now so can, much of it was behind you. Right. Exactly. Like it felt a like a smaller chunk. Right. Yeah. So what would be a, a highlight from that second half or the, the second, the third, yeah. third, Jeez. The third third. <laughs> the last third? The third Which third. It's really like the second half because the last. <laughs> That's where I was going to go. I was totally going to say second half. Um, it really is because, I mean, darkness set in soon after that. Uh, darkness set in upon the yes. dude. You get, <laughs> you get through the big loop and you come into Gap Creek, and that's the only aid station that's repeated. So basically you've come figure eight. Yeah. It's a figure eight. You're going to come back to that. And that means you're now done. And when you get to back to it the second time, you just have this little tail of the race to go back to the, the start finish line. Um, and it was fun running along. Uh, you climb out of gap Creek the first time up a, a big climb and you run along the ridge. It was fun running along that ridge I was chasing right behind the women's leader and we were kind of moving along, making good time. And there's a nice, uh, there's a nice viewpoint at the end of that ridge. Um, which my goal was to get there before sunset and we got there right about sunset. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't stop to enjoy it very much cause I just wanted to keep <laughs> moving along the trail, uh, before, sun, you know, get as much in, out, uh, for the sunset and the, the single track running in the last little bits of light was just beautiful. It was, and then you hit a road of downhill and it was just like, wow, I'm at like 
well over 70 miles and I can run this downhill like I'm, you know, just running naturally. It, it hurts. It's I don't feel like I'm fresh as a daisy, but uh, but I can run, you know, and that was that was uplifting. Was there a was there a point when you just said like is there any point in the race where you're like this is absurd? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think there's a point where, where you I just where you just like laughed. If you were like a person standing and you'd be like you really do that? Yeah. I mean maybe. I, I that thought comes to my mind a lot in these races. So <laughs> uh it's nothing. It doesn't stand out as something that I thought. Um mostly after that point when I came into that next aid station after that point that I was just talking about, which is at mile 78, I was just tired and, you know, I knew I could keep running. I knew I could keep moving efficiently, but I was just like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. let's get this done. You mm-hmm. know, let's keep moving through. Let's keep getting it done. Yeah. There's a point where it's necessary, but uh-huh. not fun. Right? <laughs> like- <laughs> uh, I'd say that it was pretty fun coming into 96 again Uh, there's a little stretch of dirt road coming in there and i i again i was setting myself time goals and my time goal to get in there was 22 hours and you know i'm gonna hit that dirt road at like a you know 2140 or something like that and so you have like almost two miles of dirt road i was like okay 2140 roughly two miles of smooth dirt road not any climbing i can i can maintain roughly 10 minute miles on this you know and sure enough, I rolled into that last aid station at exactly 22 hours. And I was like, okay, this is absurd. Like, how did I get, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been aiming these time goals for the last 12 hours, kind of thinking yeah. about my head. And somehow, you know, not knowing what these trails were going to be like, I've hit it exactly. That's well, strange. It shows you if you put your mind to something. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but it mostly was just a feeling of yeah. kind of a euphoric feeling of relief that, yeah. Okay, I can let the stress go. I got this. Yeah, yeah, got it done. And so for me, when I when I think about these things, I I wonder like, what does it feel like to succeed at a goal mm-hmm. that you've not expressly aimed at for a long time? Mm-hmm. But what does it mean to or feel like to succeed at a goal that's been building over years? Yeah, and now you did it. Yeah. It's tough to put into words. It it felt pretty special. I mean, I know I was exhausted when I finished and came back to the the house and I I couldn't sleep, but I I don't think I have ever cried after a race. And I was crying after this one. I was not, not right there at the finish line. It didn't really hit me until I kind of tried to lay down and started looking at some of the congratulations that I was getting over Facebook and stuff like that or from my wife um, and stuff. And it just kind of the emotion then came out, um, right. you know, when I was alone. And that's, you know, not something I've gotten from from finishing shorter races or having success at, at other races that in the past. And so it was, uh, it was different. It was special. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, did it immediately make you want to set another goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be another, uh, another first hundred miler. Um, yeah. I do want to run another, fr- you know, I, it made me want to set another goal. Cause I knew I, I purposely set 
a goal that I thought was within my ability. I mean, I, I knew mm-hmm. there's no That's goal that you know is within your hun- ability at a hundred miler, but other people were saying, oh, you can run faster. And I'm saying, no, that's not a, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> you know, I want to run this smart and I want to respect the distance and respect yeah. the course. Um, but then having done it, it says, well, I can come back and run two hours faster. Or I can come back and run an hour faster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <so> like, <laughs> or I can go run a different course a little yes, faster. That's so, my yeah, dog. Absolutely. Yeah.